Hello and welcome to Whitlit, the Funny Books podcast. Each episode I talk to comedians, writers or publishers about their favourite witty literature. In this episode I'm talking to the brilliant Lena Norms about how books about sex are often worryingly funny. Stay tuned to hear Lena reading out award-winningly bad erotic scenes or to find out her special name for her genitals. Shall we... Uh, are we ready to begin? Yeah, let's begin. Fun! <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. what, at firstly, to do a little intro for me. Okay. Who are you? That's cool. Why are you here? That's cool. I like it. Uh, her, my name is Lena. I make things on the internet, um, which is the most comfortable I can be with explaining what I do, but also I recognise very unspecific for people who are trying to work out what the fuck I actually do. <laughs> so, to, dive, to, to dig a bit further into that is that I upload video essays to the internet and poetry, uh, and I uh, do podcasts. I used to do a, a podcast called The Banging Book Club. I um, presently produce and present the Vintage Books podcast, and I also have my own podcast called The Option Club. And they're all um, very good. They're all also very good. Um, and uh, what else do I do? Oh, and then I work in publishing, so I read a lot of books for that. And I've been tentatively... Somebody described me as a book activist, and I don't know if I want to take on that term because it feels like a lot of work. And then also I don't know at what point you become an activist. But like I definitely have like political opinions about books, and I write about those kind of things. Sex books. Yes. Why... Why sex books? Why funny sex um, books? So, so um, the Banging Book Club is a podcast where me and two of my friends, Hannah and Lucy, um, like read books about sex and gender, and we discuss them. That's loosely what happens. At the very beginning, it was mainly about getting drunk. Um, <laughs> God, um, I knew this podcast was missing something. Yeah, and 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 we kind of had the idea when we were all quite drunk because we were all like just talking. Um, and talking about how we felt like we were very ill-equipped intellectually to talk about sex and why we had sex. We had a lot of sex. And we don't really like know that much ab- about it. Do you know what I mean? And we felt like very much in the in the dark about it. And we knew all these books existed. Some of them had really big reputations. Some of them we felt weren't there or we needed to go and discover because they were by marginalised voices. Um, so we decided we were going to start this podcast and explore all of that and see if we could learn anything about our own sex lives through books basically um so that was the point of it um i think we we read a lot of amazing books we read a lot of awful books and it's really quite hard to decipher what they're going to be before you start reading them and when you're reading it as a group collectively there's an extra level of pressure because if you're the person who's chosen the book you're not just putting yourself Mm. through absolute month-long agony you're also putting two of your best friends through it too so it was it was a really interesting thing to like try and pick the books with these sex books, were they deliberately trying to be funny or was it in- unintentional? So all of the ones I've picked to talk about today, I don't think any of them intended to be oh, funny. Oh, great! <laughs> um, but there, are, there were some like really funny books we read that were intentionally funny. Like I think um, Juno Dawson's The Gender Games is, she's so fucking naturally funny. So that was a really good book. Um, Catelyn Moran, How to Build a Girl is genuinely funny and I was like looking through some of my notes for Banging Book Club and I remember there was a point where um, Joanna, who's the main character in in, um, uh, How to Build a Girl uh, describes somebody's penis as an infant's arm (laughs) Because it was that long <laughs> and thick that she was like, it was like an infant's arm, and like there's low like stuff like that that I'm like intentional that the, yeah. we definitely read a lot of intentionally yeah. funny books, but 
and I didn't do this on purpose, but re- reflexively, I picked the books that I remember finding the funniest was the ones that were very sincere. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so maybe that's just my mean-spirited <laughs> sense of humour. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe this is more about me than just about the books. Which have you got here with you? Yeah, so, so basically, I've got three books with me. Um, we picked... We, we wanted to pick books that we'd heard lots of stuff mm. about and also pick the books that we felt we alluded to in life but hadn't mm. actually read. So one of them was He's Just Not That Into You by uh, Greg Ben... Behen, Berend, mm, how would you say that surname? Berendent? Bren... Berent? Berent. Greg Brent and Liz Tachilio. Do you want to have a clean <laughs> run of that? <laughs> yes, please. Greg Brent and Liz Tequilio. Um and their book is the 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 real self help book that um, the film he's just not into you the famous one is based on mm-hmm. and then the other one was um, Men Are From Mars Women Are From Venus amazing by John Gray Men Are From Mars Women Are From Venus I don't have with me because I made an Instagram story of me recycling it because I was literally like I don't want I don't want to give it to a charity shop we need to de- destroy these which yes. is completely against my principles and actually self-contradictory because I'm like let's not censor any books book burning's bad <laughs> except but I'm this like, one except this book we will recycle this one uh, but then I've since learned that actually I didn't recycle it because apparently the glue that keeps paperbacks together is completely unrecyclable so if you want to recycle a book you have to individually go through it and rip everything which might be quite cathartic <laughs> which with some I, books I, if I you do I particularly hate I wish them. I had. Maybe I wouldn't, I wouldn't still need therapy for having read that book. <laughs> but I actually first heard about that book. Maybe we can talk about that one first, actually. I mm. first heard about that book um, because my mum and dad used to do marriage counselling. But like not, they used to run marriage counselling workshops for other people. Wow. And they read that book and they would recommend it to people. And I just had, it was just around the house in my childhood. And I was like, oh, that's that book about marriage. And then I read it when I was 24 and was oh like, my. oh my shit. And my parents have like a really good marriage. So I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe you can be good despite this book. But um, the, the premise of it is, because have you heard of, of mm. the yeah, yeah, mm. I've heard of it through the Georgia Nicholson books, aka oh. by Louise Renison, the amazing young adult series um, that, that was sort of made into that film of, um, what was it called? Angus Thumbs and Full oh, Frontal Snogging. Which is very important. Um, Let's which, not Americanise it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, amazing series, and in that, the main character, um, sort of, again, actually very similar to your own actual life, <laughs> discovers that her parents are, like, reading this yeah, book like, to try and save their marriage. And she reads it and then really, take, you know, tries to really take it to heart and tries to... Yeah, and it also it, just, it exists in the public imagination. Like it just mm. exists. It, like Bridget Jones reads it in Bridget Jones' diary. Yes. She's reading Men Are From Mars, and it's like it just exists. Mm. Even mm. if we destroyed every copy, it would still exist in <laughs> other characters' memories oh, of having read it. Yes. Um, but what was interesting about it is that it's so it sold fifteen million copies. So the chances of me even getting to destroy it if I believed in that is very slim. I'd I'd have to dedicate my whole life to it really. I mean, a lot of them are in charity shops. So, mm, mm, mm. Find the charity shops. I could. I mean, <laughs> it's not a suggestion I'm condoning, but it's an option. Um, uh, but it was only published in 1992. See, I thought when I was when we were planning the the podcast and talking about it, I thought that it was like an 80s book, mm, mm, but mm. actually it was 1992. And like by that point, because it's so based on like very damaging gender stereotypes, I was like, well, you don't really have an excuse now because like. It must have been out of date for some people even when it was published. But Mm. basically the premise is that really what's happening in a marriage is that um, women 
women um, exist in, in Venus. That's where they're born and they've been thriving quite happily. Men have been born on Mars and, and they're two separate alien groups that are lonely and need to come together. So they pick Earth as the place that they want to live. And then and, and the, the men, the men from Mars come over to Venus and woo them and, and invite them to Earth. And then the book is supposed to be covering what what everyone should do now they're on Earth. Mm. And they've decided to, to, to share a space together having been from different planets. That's the, literally the premise of the book, which I don't know if we'll get through any kind of editorial meeting now. <laughs> like if you were, that's like, that's the pitch. And this is literal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but this is a Genesis it's a, it's story. A very, yeah, it's a very laboured illusion, the whole way through the book. It keeps coming back to aliens. It's, it's like, really guys, quite weird. the title is not a metaphor. <laughs> I want you to be <laughs> taking literally. it completely <laughs> literally. <laughs> So it was. It's it was. It's really. I, I sometimes recommend it to people just because I think it's a, a like a historical artifact. Where, like at a point where we knew that g- the genders weren't working together in inverted commas, but we didn't quite know that how masculinity was completely in crisis. Yes. <laughs> so yes. this is this is the thing where it's like masculinity is not in crisis. We just need to learn to get on. Like it's that book that's just before the thing where like oh actually we, we might like toxic masculinity might be a thing so he he makes a lot of excuses for himself he makes mm. a lot of suggestions for his poor wife betty who i'm like pray for betty <laughs> make that make that hashtag but he like he he talks a lot about how women women's emotions come in waves and they should learn to control them and recognize what's happening and i'm like are you just talking about periods <laughs> are you literally just talking about periods like, guys i've got this incredible theory yeah yeah yeah. he's literally like oh my god i've noticed a pattern <laughs> <laughs> Women have no idea. It's like, and then you see like the pins in the cork balls yeah. and the strings between them. He's like, I know what's happening here. Um, in some ways, I laugh at him, but I'm also kind of like, are you okay? Because yeah. there's lots of like really like psychopathic ways that he talks about expressing emotion and he has like a list of 101 suggestions to score points with women. <gasps> and there's 101 suggestions, but he also has suggestions for women. For everything that women do, they get one point. <gasps> but for the 101 things that men can do, they get a varying amount of points between 10 and 20 points each because it's, <laughs> it's suggested that it's harder for men to do these things, so they should get more points. And that is literally expressly what it says in the book. So I was just like howling at this point. I think it's like, I, I, I just kind of loved it because I was like, this is, it, it felt the like- The thing is, you, you can imagine it being written today, yeah. it coming out and everyone being like, this is an amazing parody. Like yeah. this satire, of like gender politics. Yeah, it would be like an so onion article. funny. Yeah, and it's not. And so some of the points that I wrote down was like one of them was offer to build a fire. Offer to build a Doesn't fire. Doesn't specify where. <laughs> in the bed. In her in her own head. Yeah. Um, laugh at her jokes, even if they're not funny, because obviously women can't be funny, and you wouldn't spontaneously laugh at people's jokes no. if you decide to spend your whole life with them. Of course not. <laughs> um, buy super glue. Buy. Super glue. It's important to have super glue about, and his other suggestions. How many points that, does he get for that? Oh, I can't remember now, <laughs> but I imagine it's quite a few, just in case anything breaks in the house. But also, you should go around asking her if anything needs fixing around here. Uh, which also is the, like begs oh the other God. question that's oh. like, John, do you live in the house? Do you use anything in the house? Because you know what was broken if you fucking used any of the other tools in the house. You would need to. Anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting hysterical. Classic Venus yeah. woman. I know, classic me. Sorry, it's my waves. My waves are coming. Um, he also suggests that if you want to take a nap, you should tell your wife first because she'll get angry if she doesn't know where you are and you're actually napping. <laughs> 
And I'm like, these just feel, this feels like a diary entry, John. It doesn't feel like, like, tell me, what was it, a Thursday night? You were working late. You decided, like, what's happening? And there's, um, keep the bathroom floor clean is another point scorer. <laughs> I only wrote down a few, but there are 101. 101. <laughs> I will have to check it out. Four, oh, four hugs a day was the other one. Four hugs a day? It's very specifically you should give your wife four hugs a day. But only two women. You couldn't possibly give four hugs a day to another man. No. No. No, no, no. God, no. Not Mars. Keep it in. Not Mars and Mars. Keep it reeled in. Please, repress. Mars on Mars on Mars action. Do you think it's just that he actually just really wanted four hugs a day? Maybe he's like very lonely. He also talks about having a man cave. (laughs) Women don't understand that sometimes men just need to go in their cave. And that they should respect that. And trying to bring men out of their cave before they're ready isn't is is rude. And we're in a relationship. And I'm like, do you mean asking for communication at the right? Do you know what I mean? This this stuff. Actually, I'm kind of I brought this out as a, as a as a funny book, but actually, the more I'm talking about it, yeah. I'm like, it's kind of tragic. Yeah. yeah. Poor John Gray. He's a doctor as well. He's of, a of doctor. What? I'm not of... sure. <laughs> of psychology, sort of Martian studies. Yes, an <laughs> alien doctor. So it's interesting because it's very very heteronormative. It excludes everybody apart from like. Him and Betty, Poor essentially. Betty. I don't even think it has anything Crave to say to the heterosexual I am community. For Betty. <laughs> Did um, Betty? I would love Betty to write a response book. It would be incredible. And I would like yacht. to commission that. That would be. Oh my god! Please, let's, Can you let's find her. Women are not from Venus, but I wish that I was. I really, kind of thing. My fo- oh, I don't know where my phone is, but I want to Google whether they're still together because I highly doubt that's the case. Let's live do it. Oh, sorry, it's Bonnie. Sorry, Bonnie. Bonnie, Bonnie. pray for Bonnie. Bonnie Gray. Also, Christian Gray, discuss. Spelt so Wow. An homage. I know. Bonnie Gray. So, John Gray. Unfortunately, it's only through him. (laughs) Spouse. Spouse. Spouse says. Spice. He has multiple spice. Oh. Barbara De Angelis. Yeah. They divorced in 1984. (gasps) Oh. And then, oh, wait, so this is 1992, so that was his first wife. Yes, yeah, so this oh, must be... Bonnie's his second wife. So presumably there was a lot going on there that meant that the first yeah, maybe marriage about... did not work. Maybe this is a whole blame slash repentance thing for his first marriage. <laughs> yes, it's his Taylor Swift album. And then married Bonnie Gray, but... Oh, God. Oh, she's dead. She's dead. She's dead. <laughs> Oh it's goodness. not happy. She she died. She died. Oh, no. She she died horribly. Oh God. Okay. So we will pray for Bonnie, but in but like, a different way. <laughs> Slowly lighting a candle. Well, I mean, if that isn't well, she kills. I don't know what is. But um, but he's. I think he's still going. He's still going. He's still strong. going strong. Wife three. Three. Probably touring the country, yes. giving people talking pillows and yes. and whatnot. But yeah, it was interesting, and I think it, it actually. I think sometimes I know some people like in like blah 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 cancel culture, mm, whatever. Mm. But like I think that in this age where we're so quick to dismiss things if they have any problems with them, mm. it's interesting if you want to relate to people of a certain generation who mm. don't understand what you're saying about mm. gender because this was 15 million people's like jumping off point for understanding gender in their own lives and their own relationships so to read it just to get into the mindset a bit of character development a bit of you know background research to read it i think was helpful for me because i was like oh and i'm also more impressed by my parents marriage (laughs) that i'm like if they managed to keep it together despite that being their advice yeah and when people of a certain age ask you about 
who's what role in a relationship or is con- con- like confused about transsexuality, I'm like, okay, I understand that things have moved quite fast for you because mm. this was only 1991, which is also, no, 1992. 1991 was when pre-marital, like um, marital rape was made illegal. So up until nineteen one, you could Fuck you it. could have you could rape your wife and it would be completely fine and you would go to prison. So like we're, we're do you know yeah. what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. I think so. Actually, you know, building your wife a fire, like if that's a step on, yeah, I would rather that as a little an transition state. Um, so yeah, I think it's interesting and it's it it built some empathy for me. I think. <laughs> yeah, it is that weird thing where it's like you read it trying to have an open mind, then yeah. you're like, this is so stupid. Yeah. So silly, I'm going to laugh at it and not take it seriously. And then you're like, wait, so many people have taken this seriously. It's not funny anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my God, what a a story arc. Did your your dad ever, to your knowledge, build your mum a fire? I mean, my dad makes everything from scratch. So that was in his natural wheelhouse anyway. Quite literally, our garage is full of screws. And he's like, oh, I've got a screw loose. <laughs> like he's no so, wonder their marriage so was so Perhaps bonded. it already like yeah, yes. it already resonated yes. with him because yes. he's like very much building a log cabin in our back garden as we speak. Incredible. <laughs> so like a, a traditional scouting man. Um, he's very soft. He plays the piano and he's really like sensitive and cries all the time. But he like is masculine in that he owns a lot of tools, which is apparently something we associate with masculinity. But he must be either from Mars <laughs> or Venus. <laughs> what is this Jupiter? Maybe he's from Uranus. I... Um, Speaking of yes, Uranus, mm-hmm. what's the next book? Oh, yeah, so you the other book. So the second book, okay, this is going to blow your mind. And again, this is one that I'm like, was not supposed to be funny. But I find, I found, like, it shooketh me to the oh, point no. where you have to fucking laugh. Because it was, and also when I tell people some of the facts I've learned in it, like, I have to laugh when I'm doing it. Kind of like in the same way they explain global warming. And you're like, <laughs> so we're all going to die. Um, it's kind of like that, but for vaginas. So it's called Vagina by, by Virginia Woolf. By, va- by Vagina Woolf. <laughs> by Vagina Woolf. Um, by Naomi Wolf. It's quite 70s hippie spirituality side of stuff so they have a the thing called the goddess what's it called I can't, the goddess complex or something and she talks a lot about that and how men should learn to treat women like goddesses and it's kind of insane in some ways it's really incredible so it's it's kind of like a mix of anthropology and sociology and history all about like the history of the vagina and how we've treated it in different cultures and different histories and then what that means for us today so it's really cool and it also happened because she she got a nerve trapped in her pelvic floor or something like that and she wasn't able to have sex without it hurting she went to the doctor about it and they didn't really know what to do and it opened up this big chasm for her where she was like maybe I'll never be able to have able to have sex again and then she started critiquing why there was such little mm. science around vaginas and how mm. little even mm. her GP knew about it um, <laughs> so it was, it's Still, really cool yeah. and in, like I respect her for that I think that she's come under a lot of like fire recently and I think that her like like with John Gray it won't always be relevant but for now it is and it was really interesting but the one thing that really like actually shook my towers is that even I don't know um was so one of the claims that she makes in it and she backs it up with a few bits of research but also emphasizes that there's really barely any money put behind like research into vaginas compared to like yeah 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 there's like they're claiming that so obviously like women haven't really been on the pill for that long like in 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 the years in the history of humanity Mm. we still don't really know the effects of the pill so I was on a pill for PCOS, um, but it had some like other fun stuff in it to stop me from <laughs> um, growing too much hair on my face and other fun things like that. So I was on that for six or se- seven, er, seven years. Mm. Um, and in that time, um, I started dating um, my ex, my now ex, 
um, when I was like 18 uh, and I came off it when I was 24. So later, later down, later down the line, I'm like maybe 26, 27 and I read Vagina and it talks about some of the other effects that the pill can have on women. So one of them is that obviously when you went, not obviously, I didn't really know that when I got prescribed it, when you have the contraceptive pill, what it's doing is tricking your body into thinking it's pregnant. <laughs> Lily's like, this is supposed to be a funny podcast and all I'm... <laughs> ah! so it's tricking your body into thinking it's pregnant. Yes, yes. So when you're pregnant, you, you're, you're, the hormones in your body are telling you to surround yourself with people who have similar DNA makeup to you. So it's either like in what they're allergic to and what they're like, that kind of thing, or it can be literally their DNA. But like it's 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 a different kind of person that you're like you'll want to surround yourself with because you're supposed to be nesting and getting ready to start a family. So you want to find your family and your crew. And this and is a tribe. subconscious thing. It's a subconscious hormonal thing, apparently. And when you're not pregnant, you're supposed to be like the hormones are telling you to find people who've got really different DNA makeup mm. to you because you're trying to find you're trying to make the strongest baby. <laughs> that is the aim of I'm all of the I'm always trying games. to make the strongest baby. <laughs> Forever, not never not trying to make the strongest baby. Um, so I came off the pill when I was 24. I'd been with this guy for six years from my hometown. We were engaged. Three months after I came off the pill, I broke up with him. I did not know, like there were lots of other reasons, but mainly I was like, I don't really find you attractive or I'm not in love with you anymore. I don't, like, I just felt completely distant. And I was like, no. And then obviously like two or three years later, I read this book with my friends and I'm like, yo, we know that the ex was also kind of a dickhead, but also have you considered that the timing was really oh, weird? My God. So in the book, she talks about how there are lots of studies around couples that have been on the pill, their whole relationships, they get married, <gasps> they come off the off pill the to pill. try and get pregnant, and the woman is no longer attracted to the man. <gasps> now, in most instances, what they do is they just accept this, and they have like, some sex, oh, it's marriage, or... and then she just goes back on the pill, and it's fine. <gasps> but is it fine? <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be okay. But the pipes, you know, I think pipes. it'll be okay. Pipes, um, pipes. Uh, yeah, and then so so, but there, there's also like it's it is a really like there's some spot like spots where I'm like, this isn't just tragically funny. Like you've intentionally made this funny. There are some points like there's just some really interesting parts of history where like mm, the mm. way they've thought about vaginas, been scared of vaginas, or talked about vaginas is like really hilarious. Uh, and so some of the slang words that she's brought up from history <laughs> that are to do with vaginas Amazing. are really funny. I made a list of all the ones that she'd written in the book that I thought were really funny and then I also just inserted one that I'd made up so I thought I could give oh them God, to you oh my a fun game <laughs> I do I love a good quiz game so I thought I could give them so to you so one of these is not true one of these came from my head oh no <laughs> Even which might worse. say more about my head than anything so one of these did but the most like all, almost all of them are phrases from the book that she's found that people were like using to describe vaginas are you ready yeah slush puppy oh hush puppy very different. Uh, Diana's quiff. <laughs> um, the snack that gives back. The butcher's dustbin. <laughs> that always gets me. Uh, and then finally, the bearded oyster. So which one do you think? Do you want me to recap? Yeah. Slush puppy, hush puppy, Diana's quiff, the snack that gives back, butcher's dustbin, or the bearded oyster. Which one did I make up? Right, for those listeners at home, write, write your answer down on the card. Yeah, we'll be back after the break. <laughs> Tweet us yeah. at... I think it's the snack that gives back. 
I was like, yours? no, no, that's a real one. That's a real one. That's a real one. The, for the smack book. that gives back. Yeah. Do you want to try again? Or should I just tell you? Okay, second, second time. Um, Diana's quiff. I did make that. Ah, one. yes. <laughs> I don't know I why. Win. <laughs> Um, Amazing. I'm very proud of that one. I but think also, it's the I think that's now what I'm going to refer to mine as. So. <laughs> My Diana's Because <laughs> it's kind of like the di- the goddess Diana, but I think of Princess Princess Di. <laughs> I 100% thought of Princess Di. Um, fun fact, the bearded oyster is what Virginia Woolf called Vita. Vita, you know, her lover, what's her oh name? My Vita, God, Vita that's, Sackville West. Yeah, that's what she called her vagina in all her letters. They were like, I can't wait to see your bearded oyster. <laughs> that has just ruined... Oysters, but <laughs> oyster cards, anything to do with oysters. I'm like, all I can think about is Virginia Woolf and her. <laughs> um, I love the letters. I'm, I'm like really gunning for us to republish like an abridged collection of them, yes. um, because I think they're really, really worth the read. And I also think having more like queer writerly love letters out there oh, would yes. be such a good thing. That would be perfect. Um, but something that I find really off-putting about them yeah. is that they both refer to each other, like, they, like, call each other each other's dog's name. So it will be, like, Potto misses you or whatever. And it's, like, you, you might think that's cute maybe, like, once, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But it becomes this, like, veiled, yeah, sex thing where it's, like, you know... Potter's here on my bed, you know, like yearning for you kind of vibe. And you're like, I just, <laughs> I don't want it's this anymore, like Peter. I yeah. had like a, an animal thing going on. I just don't want to think about it. <laughs> Segway into yes. maybe what Virginia and Vita needed was He's Just Not That Into You. <laughs> a great book about fuckboys who ignore your letters and then send you weird dog analogies. Yes, completely. <laughs> um, Tell me more. So this book, I um, we read for Banging Book Club, but I had read previously because I'll be honest with you, I actually felt like I needed it and I was trying to get over somebody and I actually couldn't. And I was just literally like, this has become like an obsession, but like in a way that isn't romantic and isn't like a thing. It's just a weird brain tick that won't leave my head you know when you're like you're obsessed with somebody only the way that you're like oh I you know I always think about them so I'm just going to do that weird thing that my brain has got a pattern of doing oh, well, rather than it being like a real crush someone else is saying this yeah That's, you're like oh, okay, I feel so I'm just going to sort of casually nod as if <laughs> as if it's something I've never experienced myself <laughs> Don't know what you're oh, speaking of. It's interesting that that's been your experience, <laughs> Lena. Do, do yeah, it's, it's a very unique one. Um, so it actually, so basically, it's it's an incredibly '90s book. It's incredibly heteronormative. It has a lot of issues with it, but it is also about people demonstrating their commitment to you and whether they actually mean it or not. And like, it is it genuinely is quite helpful, but in the way that when you have a, fr- you know, you have like that friend that's more that's cleverer than you, and like you go to them for like you know that they're a better person than you so you ask them a question about your life and they'll give you a really like roundabout answer that's really like wide reaching and be like it could be this it could be this here's an example of this like and sometimes you really want that but sometimes you want to go to the friend who's like fuck him leave him be i fucking hate him you deserve better like sometimes you need that friend and this book is that friend like if you wanted the other one you go to like alan de boton on the school of life but if you just really need the friend to get drunk with who's like fucking leave him he's a loser there's this book um, amazing so I really I do love it and for some reason I keep it around because I just feel like I've never got rid of it even though I'm like it's problematic it's like quite repetitive it's really dated but like in some way I'm like but what if I need it one day again 
the the guy like wrote loads of the Sex and the City scripts, mm. Greg, and they they were in a writer's room together. I think that's how they met. He ha- has these workbooks at the end of every chapter. The workbook part that's just like always really sarcastic and catty. So this one is like, get a bright red crayon, colour in this flag. You have just made a big red flag. <laughs> There you go, good. Because that is what a man not wanting to have sex with you is. Now put down that crayon and go get yourself some good loving. <laughs> um, and then um, this one's another one. Our super good, really helpful workbook. Here are five suggestions on what your man could have done if he was unsatisfied in your relationship. You'll notice none of them is includes include sleeping with somebody else. One, talk about it. Two, write about it. Three, sing about it. Four, email about it. Five, even put on a puppet show about it. <laughs> now, now think of five of your own. And then it gives you a little, it's like, Amazing. read them, laugh, la- have a laugh, then dump the cheater. Of course I can't tell you what to do, but dump him. <laughs> cool. I, I tend to like bend the corners of books and then I'm like, I just bend it on the page. And then I'm like, if I can't look back at that page and realise what was yeah. funny on it, then I'm like, probably wasn't that funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like kind of like agony answer. Mm. And and um, he just calls them all like really sarcastic names. Um, and this one he's just called Dear Really Really. Let's talk about Johnny Really Good Friend and your Johnny Really Good Friendship. Personally, when I'm picking friends, I like to pick the ones that don't make me cry myself to sleep. <laughs> and it's just like really stuff that is just like, oh, you probably don't have to take my advice, but you're a dick if you don't. Um, so yeah, I think it's really funny and I would recommend it to people, even though like, obviously it's not very inclusive and very old. Um, well, when I was thinking about, um, these funny sex books that mm-hmm. you were finding, I couldn't help thinking about the Bad Sex Award, the, yes. um, which is for fiction. And anyone who, um, hasn't come across this yet, um, honestly, it's so worth a read. <laughs> I think it comes out around like November time, so yeah. it's a little pre-Christmas treat. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it's by Literary Review and I was just having a little search earlier because um so it's uh, I'll quote um mm. the idea of the bad sex in fiction award is that it's for the most outstandingly awful scene of sexual description in an otherwise good novel oh so it has to be in an otherwise good novel theoretically yes although I think that has definitely been variable yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 2018 the sort of list that I was looking at recently um is an all-male list. It hasn't always been all-male, but it is overwhelmingly male. Um, And the winner was Katerina by James Frey, which I haven't read and I do not want to read now that I've read that paragraph. Um, I was going to read it, but I honestly cannot bring myself to say it aloud, so I haven't brought it with me. But I did wonder, Lena... If you would, if you would like to read um, another one that I particularly enjoyed, which okay. is from um, the book um, Scoundrels, uh, no, indeed Scoundrels: Colon, The Hunt for Hands Clap, and it is by not one but two majors, Major Victor Cornwall and Major Arthur St John Trevelyan. So I was hoping that you wow. could um, read this out for me. Hands, I'll try not to get hunt too for aroused. Hands clap. Empty my tanks. I I begged breathlessly as once more she began drawing me deep inside her pleasure cave. Her vaginal ratchet move. What does that mean? Concertina-like. Oh, oh, like the hair. Oh, that's not the word I was expecting to see. Like an accordion. My mind was just like, they're just a collection of letters. It couldn't possibly (laughs) be the word concertina. Moved in concertina-like waves, slowly chugging my organ as a boa constrictor swallows its prey. <laughs> Soon I was locked in, balls deep, ready to be ground down by the mill within her. 
Thank you, thank you. Applause, rapturous applause. Oh, so this, this feels like fun. a massive beard. That that they're actually lovers and they're trying to cover it up yes. by being like, we've seen vaginas. Yes. Um. <laughs> there's something about her pleasure cave. That it's sounds like the list that you were reading out yeah. earlier. And it sounds like they wrote it together. Like, yeah, put pleasure cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go hush on. puppies. Should yes, I put Arthur. hush puppies? Yes, Arthur. How about <laughs> Diana's quiff? How about Diana? <laughs> they love Diana's quiff. The snack quiff. that gives back. <laughs> Do I... the authors attend the sex awards? Um. Often they make an excuse. <laughs> They're like, sadly, I can't be there. <laughs> I'm washing my hair. I think it was, um, I'm washing my, my uh, Diana's trip. <laughs> I was trying to have a little think about whether we could think of any good, funny sex writing. Yeah. So if people are, are listening to this being like, oh, my God, what I've always wanted in my life <laughs> is someone to come along and recommend books that have funny sex scenes in them. Um, I haven't read and so okay. I feel wary of recommending it but yeah. I'm basically saying this because I want to read it and I want someone to send me a copy. Okay. <laughs> um, which is In at the Deep End by Kate Davies which was shortlisted for the Woodhouse Comedy Prize. Yes. And it, it was described by the Guardian as the most fun you will have with lesbian BDSM short of doing it yourself. <laughs> And that is a great like, like that should be on the front <laughs> exactly as far as I could tell from the copious Goodreads reviews that I read of it because yeah. I had nothing better to do last night yeah um, it seems to be basically woman breaks up with boyfriend has sort of sexual awakening goes and has loads and loads of lesbian sex yeah and basically the book is just loads of descriptions <laughs> of various different <laughs> sex um Smut. Some of which is yeah. funny, some of which is smutty, some of which is sort of not funny, yeah, I think, yeah. is the okay. vibe. Um, but yeah, if anyone's listened to that, send me yeah, a copy. Yeah, Because <laughs> like, I want to read it. Um, That's the one with chilli peppers on the front, isn't it? It is, yes. Mm. Um, but I wondered if there was... any. Well, you, you sort of did some at the top of Infant's Arms recommendations. Oh, yeah. Anything by Katna Moran. Um, I think Dawn O'Porter, she's written a book called cows that i've just downloaded and it's all about three women one of them they're all friends i think one of them has a baby one of them just had a miscarriage and one of them single and it's all about them and their sex lives and their bodies and that and she's really she's a really funny woman so i feel like that is gonna be really good but again i haven't read it so, so like, we can please. have two on our wish list like, that's allowed right yeah exactly because some of the best books i think i read from um the banging book club were like ones that are a bit more tragic but that's mm. like what shit it's like mm. the virgin suicides <laughs> such a good one of the best books i've ever read um asking for it is really good all the rage incredibly written but again yeah. about rape yeah <laughs> to be clear yeah um so yeah it's i think it's still a gap in the market yes. for the good stuff so if anyone um, uh, listening can send in some uh, some rom-coms, potentially. Yeah. I feel like that is an area that I want to read more in, but I'm kind of scared of going into without a guide. Well, I love rom-coms. It just feel like a lot of them that are famous um, like do the whole like fade out. Yes. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then they fell down on the bed. Yes. I'm like, no, yes. and then what no, happened? No, describe it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Mary McFarlane's great at like rom Oh, my God, she's a, a master. Like if she turned her pen to literary fiction... They would all be so fucked. I'm yeah. literally like Ian McEwan. You wouldn't know what's hit you. Like she's amazing, but she chooses to write rom coms and she's great at it. Oh, I have but, to um, read some. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, there's some, uh, just an interesting thing from Vagina. Yes. I don't know if you want to insert it. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, um, she calls it the feminist hormone. The feminist hormone is oxytocin, and it happens. You, it was released in women in women when they have or people with vaginas when they have 
an orgasm, like a good orgasm, you get a really big hit of oxytocin, which is the feminist hormone. Not only because it makes you want to cuddle, which is not feminist. It's just a, that's just a human thing that everybody wants to do. But like, but also it releases, it makes you more assertive. It makes you more socially fluent and it makes you more risk taking. So basically the patriarchy don't want you to have orgasms <gasps> because they know that it will empower you. Yes. So would recommend oxytocin. <laughs> The freest drug Pump available. It into my veins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, fun fact. It's just something wow. I left off from before. Such a fun fact. Yeah. Okay, final quest. Okay. If you could commission, like your dream yeah. funny book, mm-hmm. but like, let's keep it on a sex theme. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, non-fic, fic, any writer. Thing. Well, we've I've mentioned before today my crush on um, the Speaker of the House, John. <laughs> John Burko. John Burko. I love where this is going. I would absolutely love a fanfic of John Burko, like sex fanfic. If that is respectful, as he is like one of the leaders of our country. If that is respectful. If that's respectful. It would be very respectful sex. Yeah, and... uh, You want fanfic sex scenes. Just like sexy, you know, him going around town. (laughs) Him sort of being sexy going about town or him, you know. Him, Snogging. You know, although I feel like he's married. And well, he's... it could be about their lovely relationship, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love... <laughs> With the greatest respects and their consent. Would love to have like a sexy <gasps> book. I find him very sexy. Fun. Lena, thanks like so a. much. <laughs> Fucking loved it. Is that funny Have enough? fun. Love, love it. Um, we just need to normalise Diana's quiff now. Yes. Please. <laughs> I'm going to refer to it as nothing other than that from now on. <laughs> That's exclusive. No re- and if they don't get it, then they need to better their podcast listening. Yeah, so. exactly. Fun. Okay, I'm going to press the cool. little red button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Witlit. If you liked it, um, well done. You have excellent taste. Please subscribe, uh, tell your friends, tell your family, follow it on social media. It's on Instagram at Witlit Podcast or Twitter at Witlit Pod. I don't have Facebook um, because it's dead, but please send me a message or at me uh, with your favourite funny books or quotes or um, if you're interested in coming on as a guest. Each episode I'm going to do a book giveaway on that as well, so get involved with that. Uh, Finally, I'd like to thank Lena not only for being a great interviewee and style icon, but um, also for her help in getting this little pod off the ground. So thanks, mate. And the other one is to um, my amazing sister, Holly, for making this logo for me. Pro bono, despite being far too good an artist to normally do this sort of thing. So thank you very much for being my sister. (laughs) Um, Finally, thank you for listening. Um, Your hair looks great today and see you soon. (laughs) 